We just want to welcome you here to Red River Scripture Circles podcast. I'm Jennifer Schillinger, and I am the host of the podcast. We're so excited today because we're joined, of course, by Noah Ullman, our resident rabbi, teacher extraordinaire. Um, and we also have two distinguished guests with us. Whoa, yeah. yeah, Jim Larson and Vince Alstead, and these two um, have just been such wise and curious and um, just really beautiful and interesting voices in our conversations that we've been having at um, Circle. So we're so excited to be joining with them today. So um, for those of you who haven't listened before, these conversations are very similar to how we facilitate scripture conversations um, in a circle study. And so we really want you to have a little bit of a taste of that on this podcast, and we hope that you'll join us for a conversation as well. So we are starting with a theme or a topic, and then it really will just unfold depending on where the conversation in the spirit leads us today. So we're really excited for that. Um, we're also excited that these podcasts, in addition to highlighting themes, we're starting now to highlight um, characters that are essential to the story of how it unfolds in the text. And so this time, we're actually going to be talking about Joshua. And so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Noah. Thank you, Jennifer. That was, and thank you for that introduction. Yeah, it's so fun to be here today. Um, Joshua. Uh, so Joshua, uh, one of the things that's helpful whenever looking at any person in scripture is to look at their name. And mm. I know we've talked about names in prior podcasts before um, and the meanings of names and the importance of the meanings of names when thinking about how is this person living? Well, how are they being? What are they doing? And maybe how they're living into their name well, and maybe sometimes if that is less so the case. And so with Joshua, to first kind of when we're looking at him, think about his name and what his name means. Um, so Joshua, literally uh, in Hebrew, Yehoshua. Um, and Joshua, Yehoshua, literally means the Lord saves, salvation of the Lord. Um, and to think about um, this name for a moment, um, the Lord saves or salvation of the Lord, um, it's the same name that who, a bit later on in scripture, is also going to have. Jesus. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly, right? So, Son of God. Exactly. So mm. a very important name and a very important person mm. to be thinking about and looking at what they're doing and how they're doing what they're doing. Yes. And in particularly thinking about with aspects of Jesus and, and Jesus, the book he's going to quote of the Bible more than any mm. other is the book of Deuteronomy, mm -hmm. which I want to suggest makes an infinite amount of sense, particularly when we think about, you know, here he comes and he says that he is announcing and bringing the Jubilee. Right? He's announcing the Jubilee. Well, if I'm quoting Deuteronomy, and I my name is in the same name as Joshua, effectively, salvation of the Lord, Jesus, the Lord saves, salvation of the Lord. And he's saying, I'm announcing the Jubilee. Joshua is, of course, going to be the person who's going to lead the people when they do what? Enter the good land. Exactly. Enter that Jubilee, in a sense. Ah, Exactly. Enter the land, enter that jubilee in one sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, it, and it's not to say it's exactly the same, because please, I'm not trying to say that. The parallels are fascinating. Mm. Um, we're going to enter into the land that God has promised us. Right. And in one sense, one could see Joshua leading them into the land in space, and Jesus so often thinking about leading them into the land in time mm -hmm. and in space, and hugely also in time. Um, and it's not that it, but it's just a little too, too fun um, in seeing some mm. of those parallels when we're thinking about Joshua and who Joshua is and Jesus and who Jesus is and what, mm. how many of these parallels and connections are being woven so deeply and intricately through our scripture. Mm. So it's just names are so, so helpful. Uh, they're just so very helpful. Um, and yeah. the name for what we say as Jesus, um, it was so important for him to be named that, that an angel appeared to Mary and to Joseph and said, here's the name. So that I find that interesting. Yeah, can you say more about that? Uh, expand on that. Mm -hmm. Go mm -hmm. ahead, Vince. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I agree 100%. This issue of names is so important because... Our salvation is in yes. a name. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and so many times I just I scratch I spend scratching my head, okay, what what is the application, what is the practicality of being in Christ, mm -hmm. in Jesus, mm -hmm. in the New Testament 
Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Um, but that name is the only name mm-hmm. under which we can be saved, in which we can be saved. And the prepositions in the English language that are, I think, picturesque, associated with a person's name, mm-hmm. has so many uh, applications that are woven throughout Scripture, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Uh, one for me personally that has become so important is calling on the name of the Lord. Mm. Calling on the name of the Lord. If I walked in this building this morning and I called out somebody's name, what would happen? If that person was here, he would come. Yeah. And so naming is so mm. important. And I, I so appreciate the book of Joshua, the life of Joshua, the account of God's chosen people as Joshua has been called to lead them from their 40 years of wandering, which was preceded by 400 years of slavery mm-hmm. in Egypt, but into the promised land. Mm-hmm. And that Joshua himself, as well as the land itself, I believe, is a picture, a type which is fulfilled in Christ in the New Testament. So it is powerful, it is deep, it is rich, it is so divine. Mm -hmm. Vince, and I love as you said, because thinking about, uh, okay, Vince, I I, I, was just kind of building off of that thought a little bit too. You know, you're talking about, uh, you know, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christ. And Mm -hmm. then you talk about calling on the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And in Hebrew, in and on is usually the same letter. Uh-huh. Uh, so when when um, the, it's it's in Hebrew, in and on is is usually not necessarily a separate word, but a letter that attaches to the beginning of a word, and it's the letter bet in Hebrew, mm. um, and that bet letter makes like a b sound, and when that bet letter attaches to the beginning of a word, it literally can mean in, with, and on, mm. and so in and on, they were talking about prepositions, can it's literally the same letter, the same preposition, oh. and so that interwovenness of in and on and with all together as one um and it just i think speaks to, to that view that is rich yes well that was the first question that i set you up with so we'll, we'll do the next <laughs> the next three or four okay you ready well there's a lot in this in this wonderful account of joshua for sure so. you will and uh jim i'd love to go back to something that you were saying before um we started the recording which was i love that Jesus was named that at birth because I think it was such a clear statement of identity that he was walking in from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think you were uh, alluding to the fact that maybe Joshua's name had been changed yes. as part of his journey. And so like, what yes. was it to say what his name was before? And yeah. then also that he, as part of like when he was growing and maturing and stepping into that wow. potential of destiny, that's when his name was changed. And so I'd be curious yeah, can you expand on that, Noah? Help us with that. Where yes, where does Hosea come from? And I, I don't remember reading that. It's actually in Scripture, or is it is it added? It's it's a hundred percent in Scripture. It's it's yeah. a fascinating thing. So the question of when, it, the question of when though is not a small question. So okay. to your to your point, Jim, because. When we meet up with Joshua, we meet up with Joshua in the book of Exodus, and he's referred to several times in the book of Exodus. Yeah. Every time he's referred to in the book of Exodus, it's Yehoshua, or Joshua, we'll say in English, Yehoshua. Um, Jesus would oftentimes be uh, said to be said Yeshua, um, uh, in Hebrew slash Aramaic, Yeshua. Joshua, Yehoshua. It's a, just another letter in there. Mm-hmm. Salvation of the Lord, both there. It's just mm-hmm. one more letter in Joshua's name. Um, but the same root there for the name. So to your question though about Hosea, it's it's literally um, Hosea, and and we see that name show up later. He's referred to as Joshua or Yehoshua throughout Exodus. The name Hosea or Hosea, um, quite literally in the Hebrew, we're told that name existed in Numbers. Um, so it's in Numbers thirteen. Okay. Uh, it said those were the names, and this is in Numbers thirteen. This is where the twelve scouts are going to go scout out the promised land. One of those scouts being. Joshua, Yehoshua, and he's referred to as multiple times as Hosea or Hosea. Um, and what's interesting in this passage is he's it's when it lists him, you know, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, mm-hmm. Hosea, son of Nun. Um, then later on uh, in verse sixteen of Numbers chapter thirteen, it said those were the names of the men whom Moses sent out 
to scout the land. But Moses changed the name of Hoshea, son of Nun, to Joshua. So we're only told in Numbers 13 that mm-hmm. Moses changed his name. Mm-hmm. We're not told necessarily when that happened or exactly why mm-hmm. that happened. Mm-hmm. But we're told in Numbers 13 that Moses changed his name sometime. Now, really quickly, Numbers 13, when they're scouting out the land, they're roughly 14 to 18 months into their time in the wilderness, meaning in all likelihood that name change from Hosea to Yehoshua probably happens somewhere in that first year and a half of time in the wilderness because it's not entirely clear what the relationship was of Moses to Joshua pre-entering the wilderness where we're not told really of Joshua until we're, we're kind of into the wilderness. So in, in possibly earlier, but Moses also wasn't around in Egypt for very long before they leave. You know, so how the name change seems to have happened sometime in the last year and a half, but he's always referred to as Joshua um, in Exodus we're told only in Numbers 13 later on that the name change happened, mm-hmm. but we're not mm-hmm. told exactly why, mm-hmm. um, which is a fascinating thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes we're not told of why names change. Um, yeah. It's yeah. another quick example in Exodus that's in this river as well. Moses' father-in-law um, will be referred to as Reuel yeah. in Exodus chapter yeah. 2. In Exodus chapter 3, he's called Jethro. Mm-hmm. We're not told any reason why the name mm-hmm. changes. It's definitely his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's going on here? Because it's not the only time. There's multiple name changes yes. happening that we're not told explicitly why the change. We're just told it changed. Uh, yeah. This seems to carry through, if I recall too, I can't remember the exact reference there, but in Revelation that even our names are mm-hmm. going to be changed mm-hmm. at some point. This is something deep and rich and divine, mysterious. I would say God is mysterious. Yes. Um, but yet, that the mystery of God, yeah. at least to me, draws me forward into him yeah. more and more. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, <clears throat> that's why, we, why faith is so important. If God was not mysterious, if we knew everything about him, would there be a need for faith? I don't know. But Abram, Sarah, all of these examples of names being changed um, based on their fit in God's eternal plan is something that is so rich, I think. Peter, Peter yeah. himself. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Saul to Paul. Yeah, exactly. And I love what he said because I, it makes me think of, right, if if, I, if there was no mystery, if I could know everything, <laughs> mm. I'm right back at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's right. And mm. I'm reaching for it to be like God, to know good and evil. That's yeah. right. And, and yeah. I, I just, we're right back there at the tree. Mm-hmm. When I'm trying to understand every last, and, and please not try to search things out and to seek things and to go deeper into that relationship. The notion that there aren't some things that are mystery that we might not necessarily get mm-hmm. an answer to on the side, mm-hmm. it, it, that, that just seems to be foundationally mm-hmm. a part of our walk with God. Yeah, what so. does it mean to walk by faith, not by right. sight? You know, it, we have these verses, and I think sometimes, unfortunately, we throw them around, but we don't think about the implications mm. of actually what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. To actually have faith. That's right, yeah. Paul, uh, you know, I think in Ephesians and Colossians, he, he clarifies that God is a mystery. And yeah. that the mystery of God yeah. is over and over. Christ. Yeah. And Christ is a mystery, but the mystery of Christ is the church. Yes. This all eventually comes down to we believers who make up the body of Christ, which issues forth in the expression of God himself, the church. It is so beautiful. So new. There's a couple of interesting verses. I I don't know how I found it, but I did. Revelation 19. Mm. And I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse, the one riding on it, faithful and true. He judges and makes war and righteousness. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Many royal crowns are on his head. He has a name written that no one knows except himself. He has a name written that no one knows. Even our own Lord has a name that we don't know. <laughs> Amen. Only he knows. And what, what, is, what do we do with that? I wonder if it has something to do with the Christ in Revelation as compared to the Christ of Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. By the time of 
revelation in human history. He is no longer an individual person, if you will. He's a corporate person. He is the head plus his body that he is building, the body of Christ. The body of Jesus on the cross, in a sense, was destroyed to form the body of Christ. Christ. That new man, that corporate man that Paul refers to, that's what he's about right now in the new creation. Yes. That first man, the created man, Adam, failed God miserably. Mm-hmm. So God moved on. And after the, the flood of Noah and the starting over, in a sense, of humanity and human history, God called a man, mm-hmm. Abraham. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know how that went as well. Uh, with Babel and Babylon and all of that. Mm. But God is not giving up mm. on his plan. Mm-hmm. And he is now relying on a third man, a new man, mm. a corporate man, mm. Christ plus the church, mm. to accomplish mm-hmm. so much of what he wants accomplished in his eternal plan. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I love that you spoke to the corporate communal dimension because mm-hmm. I think so often, particularly, and I don't mean to sound overly critical, but in par- parts of kind of Western civilization have become so individualistic. Yes, mm-hmm. It's so about me. Yes. That's not to say that I am irrelevant or that I don't matter as a person. Yeah. The idea that that is somehow far and above the corporate communal, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that is... Especially here yeah. in the West. Amen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, I think, very hard sometimes... It's, it's been, hard for me because I tend to be very independent and individualistic Mm -hmm. in my nature Mm -hmm. Uh, but to be subdued to subdue the self within me um, so that Christ can be the one who gains the expression Mm -hmm. Um, but this issue of oneness this issue of unity is so Mm -hmm. significant in God's eternal plan Again, the Apostle Paul writes so much about it in his epistles there, about being one. I think of 1 yeah, uh, Corinthians yeah. uh, six seventeen. those yeah. who are joined to the Lord are one spirit. Mm-hmm. And this whole issue of oneness and unity mm-hmm. flows out of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. Let us create man in our image. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just, it's so... Amazing, so marvelous. Yeah, and I love, I love that we have such a communal God. Like He mm. created us to be in community with Him, to be in community with one another. That idea, like it is not good for the man to mm. be alone. Yeah, like it's not good for us to be alone. And so the idea that we would isolate and and think that we should do all things alone, be mm. all things alone, it's just yeah. not fundamentally part yeah. of the design. Yeah. And what I love too so much about I mean, all the things I love about God, but. The idea that a covenant was made with a people. Mm. Like oftentimes when we look at a lot of other religions, it's one person going off and getting all yeah. of the revelation yeah. themselves. They yeah. come back and say, here's the thing. Yeah. But the idea that an entire people came yeah. across, mm. you know, at the, uh, the foot of Mount Sinai, mm. and that they were there mm. with the Lord and that he yeah. is inviting yeah. an entire people yeah. into covenant, that mm. while the communal piece mm. of that, and, you know, back to Joshua, like how um, how there can be people that are important in the process and the journey, but that it's wildly about, wildly about the communal implications mm. of what it is to step into what that sacred destiny is together. And that communal unity, you know, as I was thinking about uh, both Vincent and Jennifer when you were just speaking, you know, when Jesus is asked the two great commands, mm. he begins by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, yeah. the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Wow. He's talking about unity and a community. Yes. Hear, O yes. Israel, community of those who wrestle with God, mm. the Lord our God, our God, mm. not my God, mm. not my God, our mm. God, the Lord is one. You know, and what does it mean? When we say, uh, my God, my God, my God. I mean, yeah. one could get to the whole uh, yeah. 1 Kings 18 when mm. Obadiah is talking to Elijah. Yeah. My God says this. Well, my Lord says mm. this. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Your Lord, 
Oh, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know we were worshiping a different god. He must, <laughs> he must have been in America. Well, I'm not going to I urgent. came to the Lord. I made this decision. Our God. Hey, yes. and how often yeah. is it my... Um, you know, and please, I don't mean to sound overly critical, but even worship songs that I really, really, mm. really enjoy, like, um, you know, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. We're mm-hmm. loved yes. by you. Wow. Yes. How, how often even our music, yes. our worship, our yes. praise mm. is thought of personally, individually. And it's not to say, again, personal is right, but the idea that we don't do so corporately, that we yes. don't frame the conversation as yes. we are loved by you. Yes. And I am loved and we are yes. loved. Yes. But how Amen. often it becomes an I-me conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this guy could make a good preacher, couldn't he? <laughs> 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 uh, preacher, no. Hey, well, and I think to your point, Jonathan, uh, too, when it talks about it is not good for the man to be alone, yes. God doesn't first bring the man a woman. God first, so here are the animals. Yeah. You know, well, and even before that, here was the garden. garden. Here's the garden to tend creation. Okay, here are animals. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, I mean, there's different, I was just dimensions or dynamics or like circles of community that exist that God wants us to take part in. And then there's a very specific kind of community that's of another level, that's of another uh, Ezra Konegdo, you know, know, fitting helper is usually translated, Mm. which is a whole study, right? But that whole idea of there's multiple dimensions of community. It is Mm. not good for us to be alone Mm. in so many regards, um, person to person and creation and living beings. You know, there's all Mm. different kind of community that we're being told don't, be isolated. Don't mm. try to be. That's not the point. Mm. And it's not to say never take space or never have time mm. with oneself and God. And that's not how we foundationally been created to be from a longitudinal mm. perspective of how yeah. we've been woven by the Lord. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yeah. I have so appreciated in these last 10 years or so of my life, the way the Lord has unveiled so much of scripture that for years of my life, I would say were just dead letters, mm. the spirit, the life wasn't mm-hmm. in them mm-hmm. and this is one very poignant lesson that he is working in me on is this issue of the corporate nature of God himself um, not only uh, in the triune Godhead but ultimately the head plus the body mm-hmm. the body that's being built Jehovah I see as a building God. He's a speaking God. Mm-hmm. He's also a building God. And in a sense, he created Adam from the dust of the earth. Why didn't he do the same thing for Eve? Mm-hmm. He caused Eve to fall, or Adam to fall into a deep sleep, which I think is symbolic of Christ's death mm-hmm. and ultimate resurrection there. Mm-hmm. And he opened up his side and took out a bone, a rib bone. And he built Eve from Adam. Mm -hmm. And Paul, I believe in Romans, refers to Adam as a type of Christ, Mm -hmm. a picture. There's some aspects of Adam's Mm -hmm. life and nature that um, typify Christ himself. And so when the Godhead spoke and said, it is not good that man should be alone. I don't think it's too far to say God is saying, it is not good that God should be alone. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that isn't what Paul is referring to in Ephesians when he speaks of God's heart's desire and the counsel of the Godhead that set forth this whole plan of eternity into motion there, Mm -hmm. was that God himself wanted the helpmate. God Mm -hmm. wanted a, a bride for his son if you will. Mm-hmm. But this is a corporate person. It isn't, and, and we need to begin to learn that now because that is how we will enjoy God throughout all eternity. So. And I know we've gone off of the Joshua track mm-hmm. just for a moment longer here because it's been something that was too fun. Sorry, I couldn't resist. You, know, you talked about the Lord being a builder um, and, and how we think about building, how we conceptualize building. And I think it's interesting to note uh, in that in that river of conversation that when we talk about the word to build, the word to build in Hebrew is the word bana, um, bet nun he, bana. And bana means to build. That last letter he, though, sometimes can drop. It's, it's, it's a letter that sometimes 
um, when it comes to the beginning, the end of a word can drop. Most words in Hebrew have a three-letter root, but occasionally there are two-letter roots. And um, it's interesting in a passage, just as one example, in Genesis 16, when Abram and Sarai have gone a decade unable to have children, or, or at least it's not happening for them, um, Sarai will say to Abram, look, the Lord has, this is Genesis 16, verse 2, um, look, the Lord has kept me from bearing. Consort with my maid, perhaps I shall have a son through her. And Abram heeded Sarai's request. Okay, when it says have a son through her, it's ibane mimena. Literally, I will be built up and I will have a son from her. So you could translate that as to build slash to have a son. Um, and so then there's this gets to be this whole conversation about what does it mean to build with the word bana, because bana, I said, means build. One could say, though, the root, possibly, there's scholarly debate, the word for son in Hebrew is the word ben, which is a two-letter mm. root. Mm. And so when, when looking at the word build, could within that see the word son or child? Mm. So when you're thinking about building, one could be thinking about building, and literally the concept of building could be seen as sons slash children is what it means to build. <laughs> Meaning I think oftentimes when we think of building, we think of building like physical things in mm. space, like structures, mm. towers, a la Babel. Yes. Right? Where we come from in Genesis 11, post-flood. <laughs> or we could see as building in generations through people, mm. through the seed. Mm. You know, and, and how are we how are we conjugating the idea of building? Mm. Where are we looking in our building? Mm. Are we looking to our children? Are we looking to structures? Mm. Yes, another reference comes to my mind here too that I think is so beautiful. Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus is walking down the road and speaking with his disciples. And he makes this statement, I will build my church. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not a physical, exactly. material entity. Um, it is something in spirit. It is in the spiritual realm, which is where and who God is. Yeah. John four twenty four. Jesus says, "God is spirit." Yeah. Yeah. So rich, so rich. Right. It's in spirit, in the apostles, in the disciples. Yeah. Here goes the church. Yeah. I need no. Everyone has to have a building. You come into the building, and that's where you get the church. Mm. And that, to your point, that's and it's not to say they never have a building. The idea that that's the only thing that constitutes building, mm. that it can't be done through the people, through right. generations, yeah. by the Spirit. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. it's yeah. 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 I think getting us back to maybe Joshua <laughs> yeah, exactly. too, yep. is part of God's eternal plan there was that as the children of Israel, God's chosen ones, came to the end of their journey in the wilderness and they came to the River Jordan, they had to cross the River Jordan and take possession of the good mm -hmm. land, which mm -hmm. was occupied by many foreign tribes and, uh, and uh, nations that had not been given the land by Jehovah, as had the nation of Israel. But there's something there, too, that it was in that good land. That is the only place, not only at that time in history, but continuing on, where it appears that God would allow his temple to be built, which mm -hmm. was a physical, physical structure yeah. at that time, mm -hmm. representing a type, a picture yeah. of the New Testament church. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it was only on that good land. There's only certain places where God will allow his building to be done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I love, as you said, what does it mean to look for our buildings, not only in space, but in time, mm -hmm. in yeah. spirit, yeah. and in a yeah. To look in both. Well, the verse you just quoted to I, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will mm. not prevail mm. against it. So yeah. he obviously is saying, hey, this isn't a physical thing. Mm. Not physical, it's mm -hmm. spiritual. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I think within that, you know, when you think about the temple and the purpose of that, it's, I mean, it's, there's so much about loving and worshiping and honoring mm. God, but it's it's also wildly relational. It's about how mm -hmm. do we commune with God um, and how transformative that can be. Mm. So I, I always oftentimes when I think about Joshua, I think yeah. about um, the tent of meetings. Because mm. like, you know, for a time, I think when we're talking about the temporary nature of a structure and the temporary um, 
but like the ever presence of God, mm-hmm. even in a space where it's not a physical place. Mm-hmm. How are we mm-hmm. seeking the Lord? How are we seeking to be with Him? Mm-hmm. And I think even in the space of Joshua, you know, all these things we're talking about, like what is it to take the land mm-hmm. that God has promised, knowing that that promise is to be fulfilled, but that you have to walk in that. What does on the uh, what does preparation mm-hmm. look like for Joshua to be able to then? Not only step into that because he he went he was one of the twelve early on he went in yeah. and he was one yeah. that came back and gave a, a positive mm-hmm. account mm-hmm. and then he had to in that patience in that space in that waiting knowing this is good this is is for us the Lord is greater and then having to wait four years mm-hmm. <laughs> what what does he do in those forty years mm-hmm. that then mm-hmm. leads him to be in a space and prepare him to be mm-hmm. in a space to then lead others encourage Mm. right be strong and courageous he was in training obviously absolutely and i love james you talked about the communing piece because in exodus chapter 33 verse 11 the last part of that verse will say joshua the son of nun a youth did not stir out of the tent did did not leave Mm. the tent um he stays in the tent we're told and it's not says that he left later or he was there a while it it says he, he does not stir out of the tent. Yeah. And it's actually literally mitoch from the midst of the tent. Yeah. Um, yeah. He stays in the midst of the tent. Yeah. Um, and what does it mean to say that Joshua doesn't leave being in the midst of the tent? Yeah. As, you, as you were talking about, you know, for the children of Israel as they're in the wilderness, there's a tent of meeting and then there's going to be the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and they're following the pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. And it says that Joshua does not leave from the midst of the tent yeah. of meeting with the Lord. Now, we know, as you said, that he literally physically... has to leave at some point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, got out of yeah. lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, not, yeah, we're not necessarily talking physically. Yeah, that right, he, right. What does it mean to say that you don't but that he does not leave from the midst of his the spirit, his exactly. essence, his being, his mind? Yeah. Exactly. He and at Sinai yeah. also. Yep. No. He was he was there at Sinai waiting. He, yeah. he um, didn't leave the presence of the Lord. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what a beautiful picture of someone whose name is salvation of the Lord, not <laughs> leaving the presence of the Lord. Uh, well of course he wouldn't. Because that yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, and the admonition to us to pray without ceasing. How do we do that? How do we do that? And I think what in that vein, what does it mean to recognize God in all things in our life throughout our day? <laughs> to, to go for every single thing to give thanks. Absolutely. In each and every moment. And I'm not saying that that has to be like, I need to be literally saying a physical prayer emanating from my mouth at every second. What does it mean to our heart and our mind to continually be having that eye trained on God with all things? Yeah. There's a couple of podcasts, podcasts probably right there in that whole topic of vision and fixing our eyes on Jesus, uh, looking upon the bronze serpent on the pole. I mean, there's just so much richness in that. And Joshua is so central to the, history to the story of God's chosen ones there as Christ is to be central to each of our lives as well in everything that we do as you have indicated and I love how the text says like in his youth Mm. like this is before he Mm. was chosen I think sometimes we think like oh now because I am chosen I will prepare Mm. or now I will lean into this relationship with the Lord because I will need it it was like um, my heart is for the Lord like the, the presence of the Lord is here, and I want to be present mm. to the presence. Right? I want to meet the presence with presence. And in this... that, from that, then he was he was prepared to be that and then was elevated mm. to that. I think so often we wait. But didn't he argue with Moses about being the leader? Like he Joshua, didn't oh, yeah. want, he didn't yeah, want us to be. Yeah, no, no, no. He had no was, desire. Yeah, was yeah. to say that too? Like that but yet he was prepared for it, just mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. said. Yeah. And I think what a better sign of a leader than one who probably doesn't want yes. the job. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. often, you know, exactly. And I think, right, it's, well, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, well, that's a whole study, uh, right? <laughs> a whole <laughs> series of podcasts. Of, yeah. when, when someone really wants the job of leader, Okay, um, because you know, how many people that we read about are kind of saying, uh, I, could, I could pass, yeah, um, and, yeah. and I, it doesn't have to be me. Um, 
and what does it mean to have that heart posture to, to be in that space of humility? Um, and I think, Jennifer, as you pointed to, and I hadn't thought about it, but you're right, it, it calls him a youth there in that mm. verse 11 of Exodus 33. Mm. And it makes me think about when Jesus talks about being as a small child, mm. being as a youth. Uh, and what does it mean to be a youth? And I think we sometimes think of like a youthful innocence or like a youthful kind of um, naivete. There's something to youth that can just be so transfixed, mm. so singularly focused, and have a certain kind of a faith um, that I think, as certain experiences happen in life, maybe becomes a little more complicated for us. And what does it mean to be, as a youth, completely mm. captivated by God, mm. that one could not imagine ever leaving that space, and, and one would have no problem believing you know, as, as so many will a month from now, that there could be a person in a sleigh that travels around the world mm. and that they could drop gifts to everyone and that's possible. Mm. And what does it mean to believe like that? Mm. What I does mean, it mean? Jericho. Like, <laughs> to go and, like, walk around a mighty city mm. and blow a trumpet and they say, mm. like, this is what we're doing, guys. Yeah. And it's going to work. It's going to yeah. work. And, like, yeah. what does it mean to really believe in something that seems so beyond the human realm of what we, what we on a physical plane could imagine? Mm. You know, and here we go. He's called a youth. I love that. That's in, in how much Jesus talks about what it means to yeah. be as children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Your dad brought up a story when you were in Ghana in a big service, 150 people or whatever were there. Yeah. And he said this invisible prophet came up, went to the front, did a prophecy or made a statement or did something, and then he became invisible again and came back into the group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so impacted by that because here's this non-assuming person yep. who's there and everybody looks at him and just thinks, oh, okay. And then he gives a word and it was powerful, your dad said. And then he sat down and he just was unassuming again. Mm. Yep. So I, I, was, I was impacted by mm. that. There's a, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was just messaging with him the other day. Uh, it is such, as you said, unassuming yeah. and so humble. And yet mm. he can come up in a moment and just the spirit just explodes mm. from him. Mm. It just It is so, mm. and the room, I mean, literally can just fall. I mean, the, the power mm. that emanates, how the Lord is working, moving mm. it through, mm. and then can come mm. so small in a space yeah. mm. and yeah. so unassuming. And, and, it's, yeah. and it's so clearly, on one level, not him. Exactly. And that's yeah. how he's entering. He is not entering exactly. his, I have a word to give. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. Yeah. quiet yourselves and listen. Yes. That's, yes. It's just breathtaking, yeah. that man. Mm. He's stunning. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's a younger guy. Uh, oh. Yeah, in his 30s. Yep. Mm. Oh, he's gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Just like Joshua, you know, what is it to say that you have the humblest of men to be your mentor and that you learn what it is to be in relationship with God? And then even so, you know, like that there's some hesitation to step into leadership. Like I, and there's a reliance Mm. that's necessary where it's not in my own strength. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think going back to what you said, Noah, about what does that mean as far as preparation for leadership when mm. it's not something that you yourself want to grasp for um, or that you make it about you, like, this is my moment, mm. 15 minutes of fame, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, it's all yeah. about me. Yeah. But that it's, um, yeah, that it can so much be about faith and yeah. about the Lord because there's a humility oh, there. Yeah. Hmm. I'm so reminded here, Jennifer and Noah, of, I think it's Hebrews 4.12, where the writer speaks about the Word of God being living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the point of dividing spirit and soul, uh, flesh and marrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that came to my mind when you started talking about leadership and being prepared for leadership, Jennifer, there. How many in our culture, and I'm guilty myself, think that if I get this position, if I get this responsibility, if I'm called upon or put in this position of leadership, I'm really going to be somebody. Yeah. Then I'm, yeah. I'm hanging a lot of my identity Look on at this. Me. Look at Look me. At me Look there. at me. And that is so <laughs> contrary yes. to God's way, the yeah. way of the Spirit. 
And yet the power that is tapped into Mm -hmm. that beautiful story that you related, uh, Noah and Jim, Mm -hmm. about your father's experience. Mm -hmm. What power is there in even the human spirit? It is the resurrection power because that is the portion of our being where Christ as the life-giving spirit Mm -hmm. has taken up his abiding place. Mm -hmm. And so when we are one with the spirit and we are allowing Christ to be expressed, um, Mm -hmm. the focus is off of us and it is on Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. It's so, it's, how often, like you said, when put into, and I, and I know I'm guilty as well, when put into those spaces where we're being looked to as mm. some type of an authority or leader, and the thought comes in, I'm really special. Mm. <laughs> I'm in this spot, and God's from here because I'm really special. Mm. And it's like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if anything resembling that is true, it's only because the Lord. Amen. Is yes. active, moving, working. Yes. And yes. that's the thing about that prophet. It, he, the thing that he knows is that it's not him. And that's what makes him so special. I mean, there's so many things. But one of them, absolutely, is that he knows it's not him. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and what does it mean to have that be? That, that that's where our eyes are towards it. That's where our gaze yes. is. That's where our focus is. Yes. Is that, no, it's only from him. Um, and, oh, yeah. Oh, it even goes back to Joshua's name. I mean, it's yes. the salvation of the Lord. Salvation it's not like, mm-hmm. I am salvation. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. salvation of the Lord. Yeah. Like, where are yeah. my eyes? Yeah. Like, I, I recognize, even in my essence of being, and in, na- like, living out my name well, mm. it is a complete recognition and surrender mm. to yes. what it yes. is, yes. the yeah. salvation mm-hmm. of yeah. the Lord. Salvation of the Lord. Yes. And, start, and I was just thinking about the salvation of the Lord piece in the names you are speaking about earlier, Vince, when Jim, you asked the question of the name change, mm. Hoshea, Yehoshua, the letter that's being added to Joshua's name, or Yehoshua, Joshua's name, is that letter Yud. It's the very first letter in the name of the Lord. Mm. So there's an idea, wow. there's an understanding of Hoshea as literally meaning salvation. Yehoshua, the salvation of the Lord. And so it's literally adding in that first letter of the name of the Lord into his name, salvation of the Lord, as you said. And I'm one of almost removing the focus of the salvation of him as an individual mm. and that it's the Lord mm. who is saving. And yes, I love that because yes. it's like, it's not to say that there are not things that were placed in him that would give him the ability to be part of that self, of that mm. saving, right? Like there's going to be elements of what yeah. it is for you to be the leader that is helping people step mm. into the promised land that there mm. that there's it's not like an absence of you mm. but really like the inclusion of the lord in that is what gives it the power mm. in order for it yeah, to be yeah. i think there's some two at least that i'm aware of or that i remember very clear contrasts in the book of joshua the account of joshua and the children of israel i mean we have this wonderful account uh, of the crossing of the River Jordan, the coming in, and uh, uh, the, the men uh, who had not been circumcised before in the wilderness because they had all died off. Yep. The Lord inquire, in, in instructing Mo, uh, uh, Joshua to circumcise them and then the celebration of the Passover mm-hmm. and the victory mm-hmm. over Jericho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... The next battle in which they engage is the battle for I. And what a miserable failure that was because Joshua had taken his eyes off of the Lord. He had not turned to the Lord. And then again, an account with the issue uh, in their relationship with the Gibeonites. Not turning to and seeking the advice of, in a sense, their husband, Jehovah. Yeah. I can do it myself. Mm. I can do it. Amen. <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, we crossed the Jordan. I got all of these grown men yeah. to circumcise yeah. themselves. Yeah. I've brought down the walls yeah. of Jericho. Yeah. I think I got this under control yeah. now. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. This was all happening because you had your eyes. Right, he was going to say, uh, you had your eyes on me. Yeah. That's why this was all working. Amen. You did. And I love this. You said, and the Gibeonites, and I think, I think we miss those. We, we kind of go... How easy it can be to take our eyes off the Lord, mm-hmm. especially when things are going well. Yes. When I'm feeling yes. really, oh. I'm feeling myself, yeah. everything is good. 
I don't. I got this all under control. Mm, yes. And it's like, yeah. ah, it's the exact moment oh, when. Yes. When we're feeling a little yeah. giddy. Uh, <laughs> I think you, you, you struck uh, on something very deep there, uh, Noah, that um, it is so difficult for our spirit and soul to be separated and divided, as Hebrews talks about, when everything is going well. Yeah. It is, and, and so that building Jehovah, Times of negative experiences, trials, mm-hmm. sufferings, persecutions, uh, things we would never choose for ourselves in our human life yeah. are some of the most rich, uh, majestic opportunities for the Lord to build himself into us, to constitute us with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to look at those times differently. And as we have been admonished to give thanks in all things, the essential nature of those times events, right? And, and you know, do if I'm a Brahmin Sarai, do I look at decades of infertility mm. only or strictly as harsh and sad, mm. or maybe even in, in some really sad ways punishment? Do I see what could be being built through? this Amen. space Amen. And, and how am I going to choose to respond Amen. and I might not always understand completely why in the moment maybe hindsight maybe I'll mm-hmm. get it later maybe not mm-hmm. but how do we choose to respond in those moments that are so hard and are so painful because they're going to come mm. Amen. and do we give thanks in those yes. even if it in, in, with, in, in the pain of it <laughs> and I'm not just saying that's easy I think that's one of the most difficult things to do and yet it can be such an essential essential space for learning for growth for for a shift in our trajectory mm, amen amen it's such a preparation to it, it is yeah. it is yeah it is part of that that eternal plan of the lord is to build his nature his life his very life into each one of us in our fallen humanity and what a testimony against and what a shame to jehovah's enemy that this very people that you caused to fall, that responded to you, that turned away from me, they are the ones out of which I am going to call my church and build myself into them and gain my eternal heart's desire. Real quick, I've got a quote here that I think is really good. Tozer, A.W. Tozer. Mm. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. who wants to be hurt deeply? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you want to be blessed by the Lord, you, you need to accept it, I guess. Or I not, I guess. Yeah. Jump we to have to. Yeah. Jump to another Old Testament character there who I have really come to appreciate too. But when I look at the change in Job, mm-hmm. a contemporary of Abraham, mm-hmm. uh, from who he was in chapter 1 mm. of the book of Job mm. to who he became as yeah. testified to in chapter 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that amazing transformation mm-hmm. through all of the suffering that Job went. Where were you yeah. when I set the firmaments mm. on the earth? Tell me mm. if you can. Mm. Where were you, Job? Amen. Amen. So that that is a thread that is woven so clearly all through yes. scripture. Yeah. And I think the idea of like I think oftentimes we pursue in our lives the idea of what it is to step into the promised land. Mm. And then we assume that when we do that all will be well and all will be simple mm. and all will go. Mm. It, you know, it's like, oh, I'm at the Bahamas. Yes, made it to the promised land. Where's my, you know, umbrella drink and fantasy. Um, and really, like, to, you know, to look at Joshua's journey and the people's journey, what does it actually mean to war in that space, to take that yes. land, to, you know, yes. at times take your eye off of the Lord yeah. and then yeah. falter, you know, I think that our sense of promised land sometimes doesn't quite align. Mm. Um, but the salvation of the Lord is there, yeah. right? Yeah. I think it's interesting, Jennifer, too, that that name for the promised land, Canaan, really has two very distinct uh, 
aspects, if you will, in Scripture. Uh, it is referred to, obviously, as the good land, the promised land. It's a type of the all-inclusive, rich, abundant uh, Christ himself mm -hmm. there, uh, rich and majestic and full of all sorts of hidden treasures, mm -hmm. our full supply of all that we need. But it is also, in a very, from a negative perspective, is a reference to that realm of the kingdom of darkness that wars against God's kingdom and wants to mm -hmm. disrupt and discord and divide God's people there too, that, that layer of the heavens that mm -hmm. is occupied by the, the powers of the air and the principalities of darkness mm -hmm. there. So mm -hmm. those are woven into that, uh, that issue sometimes that we have to deal with in our own human concept sure. of the promised land. You know, I was thinking as well as in a somewhat similar vein, um, Jennifer, when you were speaking, uh, you know, of, of um, this idea of God loves me, therefore God always wants me to be happy mm. and not experience anything difficult because mm. God loves me. And the way I define happiness. Mm. Except, well, exactly. Yeah, of course, exactly. of course, of course, which means of no suffering of any yeah. varietal, yeah. no yes. pain of anything yeah. and no difficulties whatsoever because God loves me and wants me to be yes. happy as I understand yes. happiness. Yes. Because that's, that's really what means for God to love me. Mm. And, and if God really wanted to show me how much God loved me, mm. then everything would really always go well and smoothly and simply all the time. And there would be no... And I just don't know what Bible we're reading mm. to come to that right. conclusion. Mm. I don't know what scripture says that I, I you know to me it's it's, it's some kind of a really twisted you know yeah. kind of uh, fairy tale um, and then we blame god yeah yes yes. <laughs> yes. We were like, yes that's actually your fault it's not that i misunderstood that i shouldn't mm -hmm. live a life on vacation it's that you missed mm -hmm. you're not making me happy enough you're yeah. not doing your it's, job it's well your enough job. you're not the god i thought you were yeah. yeah and you know what that's exactly right yeah yeah well oh gosh this is a rich conversation thank you guys so much thank you um jim and vince and noah for being here today mm. um just so many pieces, I think, for us to think about mm. moving forward about um, what the salvation of the Lord looks like, what it is to Amen. be yes. always with him and be present to his presence. Mm. Um, and I think, too, just like the beautiful layers of the through line of Christ in, mm. um, in Joshua and Deuteronomy and the walk into the promised mm. land all the way through to Revelation. Mm. Um, just being able to see the fingerprints of God and mm. the way he's drawing together his narrative. It's beautiful, the connections you guys are making. So yeah. we're just grateful for the conversation. And for those of you who are listening, uh, we're grateful that you could be present to this conversation as well. And we really do want to invite you into uh, future conversations. We really believe that every voice is valuable in the conversation and it brings a perspective and a dimension to our understanding of the text. And um, we believe that the text was meant to be read, to be present to both with the Lord and in community. And so we want to invite you into that. Thank you for being present mm -hmm. with us today.